You're listening to a North Valley Community Church podcast. For more information and resources, visit us online at northvalleychurch.org. Amen. Well, good morning. Good to be with you. Uh, for those of you that are new, great to have you as guests. And uh, before we get started this morning, I hope you know that tomorrow is Veterans Day. And uh, take a moment maybe to share with a family member or a friend that served in the military your great appreciation for them. And today I'd like to ask uh, anybody that has served in the military, uh, men and women who have served in the military, would you just stand up just for a moment so we could recognize you? Please stand up. Go ahead and do that. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I want to pray for you. Um, We have a gift for you as well over at the Connection Corner. Uh, Pastor Ellis served in the military as well. Uh, This is a church that uh, prays for our country as the Bible instructs. And uh, we care tremendously about those that have served in our military and uh, continue to serve in our military to make this a great country. So let me pray. Heavenly Father, I pray uh, in the name of Jesus right now for the protection and the blessing on all the men and women that serve in our military. Uh, For those that just stood just a moment ago, God, I pray that you continue to strengthen them, sustain them, Lord, and let their life just continue to be a great legacy of honor and integrity and service and sacrifice. God, in all those things, those virtues, they reflect you. And so, God, we thank you for our military. We thank you for the men and women that just stood and pray again, Lord, that you would continue to raise up good men and women to to protect this country and the freedom that we have in our faith. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Well, this morning, I am kicking off a brand new message series called Irresistible Influence, and that's about you realizing your divine potential to make an eternal impact. Your life matters tremendously, and uh, over the next couple of weeks, I want to encourage you to realize that the words that you say have powerful impact, and the things that you do have powerful impact as well. Um, This morning, before we get started, I want to have fun and share with you a a joke that I heard recently. Uh, I heard about this burglar who was breaking into a house one night. As he was stealing the stereo, something grabbed his attention. He heard a voice saying, Jesus is watching you. He froze in his tracks and he shined the flashlight into the corner of the room and he saw a parrot. He said, did you say that to me, bird? And the parrot said, yes, I'm just trying to warn you because Jesus is watching you. The burglar said, warn me? What are you talking about? Who are you? The parrot said, my name is Moses. The burglar laughed and said, what kind of crazy people would name a parrot Moses? The parrot chimed in and said, the same kind of people that would name a 150-pound Rottweiler Jesus. (laughs) Jesus is watching you. One day, you'll have to give account for the life that you've lived. Did you live a life in areas of your life where you spoke up and you stood out and you said something about Jesus? 
God's created you, made you, formed you, fashioned you. Every event in your life, every genetic part of your life, every job that you've ever had, every relationship that you've ever had, every amount of financial resources you've had, God's placing that in your life and saying, I want you to say something. I want you to do something. We're building a kingdom. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We're trying to bring heaven down. And what we have to do is realize that you and me have an irresistible influence. Jesus said that you're a light to the world. You're a light. You're also salt of the earth. And so what I want to do is I want to take the next couple of weeks to help you understand how you can be an irresistible influence and play your part in the great commandments and the great commission. For those of you that may be on the sidelines of the Christian faith and say, I'm not so sure I'm into this thing, this is an inside look for you to see how church growth has happened around the world for generations and generations. What is evangelism? Evangelism is about sharing the good news of Jesus with those who are not yet Christians. It's good news. Before I left for Arizona, packed up the family and the dog and the U-Haul, my dad said to me, put his hand on my shoulder and said, Ryan, tell him about the love of God. Share the good news always. Be faithful. We have good news. Good news that Jesus forgives sinners. The Bible says that he came to save sinners. We have good news that when somebody repents and they turn away from their sin, they can find healing and hope and restoration. We have good news that we don't have to do life alone. We have good news. Jesus is alive, that he is not buried. He is risen from the grave. He's reigning at the right hand of the Father. He sent his Holy Spirit to awaken all believers to live out an extraordinary lifestyle. We can live a life that is extraordinary. But you and I, we got to say something. 96% of American Christians have never shared about Jesus. That's startling. That's a fact. 96% of Christians have never shared about Jesus. And there's, so how are we getting so much done? How is the church making such an impact in the world around us? I'll tell you how it's amazing. Just 4% of Christians are gifted in evangelism. And they're doing a ton of work. I believe that we can increase that number to exponential proportions if we understand better about evangelism. When I say evangelism, you probably think of the televangelist on TV and you think those guys are like crooks. Those guys are just begging for money all the time. In fact, a national survey came out, ranked uh, uh, job professions in American culture and ranked them uh, for the most integrous and honorable and honest all the way down to the lowest. And they came up with about 75 different professions in this national survey. And just about at the very bottom of the list was tele-evangelist. And right below the tele-evangelist was organized crime boss and drug dealer. So evangelism or evangelist in your mind perhaps has a very negative connotation. But maybe some of you have been moved by and see in life where you see the guy like Billy Graham, 
who holds a national platform in his legacy, an integrous lifestyle, who did a lot. And you say, I could never be like Billy. I'm not asking you to be about Billy. I think the problem is in North American culture in the church, the problem is about conviction and competency. Most of us as Christians don't have a strong enough conviction in our heart that would propel us or compel us or motivate us to say something. And if we do say something, we're afraid it's going to be offensive because we live in a deeply political correctness. You and I oftentimes lack conviction to speak up about Jesus. Just after the first service, a guy came up to me and said, I was out at the dunes last week. Sorry, I wasn't at church. I'm like, dude, don't worry about it. You're here all the time. You give, you serve. I'm so glad. He says, I was out at the dunes and I was wearing a North Valley t-shirt and all the guys I run around with in the dunes, they're, not, they're far from God. And I almost put another shirt over it because I didn't want them to see. But I said, what am I doing? Why would I do that? I'm a Christian. So I wore my North Valley shirt. I said, good for you, man. And he goes, but I will tell you, I was a little afraid. That's you and me. That's all of us. There's times I don't want people to see me walking into the Waffle House early in the morning and opening my Bible because I just don't know if I want to be bothered sometimes. I have the North Valley sticker on my truck. I worry about that sometimes because I'm not the best driver all the time. I'm, I'm exactly the opposite of what you think. I'm driving down the freeway like 45 in the HOV lane. People are like, uh, uh, you're number one. Uh. I'm like, thank you. Conviction, competency, you don't know what to do, how to do it. Today, in today's culture, we are welcome to do the works of Jesus, but rejected when we speak up about the words of Jesus. You want to go serve the poor? Oh, you're a Christian? Wonderful. So glad. Serve the poor. You want to help little children in the orphanage? Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. Hey, did you say something about Jesus? You, you be quiet. You don't talk about Jesus. We've, the world wants the works of Jesus, but not the words of Jesus. I'm telling you, you've got to say something. There is no salvation without the proclamation or the verbalization of who Jesus is. If the percentage of the nation's population that identifies themselves as religious nuns increases by 1% every year, within 15 years, the U.S. will be a majority secular society. In other words, what's happening today is there's more and more people that are every year by 1% of the nation's population are saying, I'm religiously nothing. I am a nun. Not a nun like a nun, but I'm none. No affiliation. This church actually has a lot of religious nuns. No affiliation, no background. One third of this church is, comes from a, a, a completely unchurched background. One third comes from a Catholic background and about one third comes from Protestant, evangelical, conservative background. It's a great combination. That, that number is increasing. More and more people say, I don't want to affiliate with anything. I'm not Catholic. I'm not Protestant. I'm not, I'm not Muslim. I'm nothing. Why? Because they're afraid to offend. And they don't know. 
Tim Keller says this, we're at a historic low for evangelism in the church of North America right now. We're at an all-time low. And the church doesn't know exactly what to do. So what I want to do is help you with your conviction and ask the question, is it really all that important that you and me say something? And I'll give you four biblical reasons why evangelism is not a good idea, but it's absolutely essential. And we've, we suffer in disobedience outside of God's blessing and favor and if we're walking in disobedience. So number one, Jesus clearly commanded all believers to evangelize. All believers. Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole world. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. What I want to do is I want to teach you how you can participate or contribute in the Great Commission because I think if you're honest, you would say, oh Lord, I feel like I've failed in that area. Go into all the world? I don't know how, I don't know how to do that. I like Phoenix. I, you know, it's hot during the summer. Maybe I could move during the summer. And, uh, but proclaim? I don't know. Proclaim what? Proclaim the gospel? How do I clarify the gospel? Gee whiz, I don't really feel like I have a part in this whole thing called the Great Commission. I feel like a loser. You can feel like that real quick, but what I want to do is I'm going to help you to understand, first of all, you have to believe that this is a command. It's not an option. God's plan to bring heaven to earth is you and me that we're going to go out and we're going to share and show the love of Jesus Christ. We're going to share the good news. So I'm going to help you to get there, but just realize first, number one, it's a command. Number two, God created us for a countercultural missional community. You are a Christian who is to live in your business sphere, relational sphere, friendship sphere, your circle of influence, and be thoroughly Christian but you. You don't need to be like somebody else. You just need to be you because God formed you. God fashioned you. God made you. You're not at your job by accident. You're not in the family circle by accident. Everything is working in a divine purpose. And you have to realize that God has sent you into the world. The idea that we should be monks and retreat from society is not a biblical concept. Some Christians think I will become holy if I detach from society and go hide in the hills. That's not Christianity. Jesus said this, Jesus said to them, this is his disciples, peace be with you. You're going to need peace in this world. As the Father has sent me, so even so I am sending you. The disciples were sent into the world. But the Apostle Paul says later in the church in Rome, yes, Christians, you are in the world, but you don't need to be of the world. So how do you be in the world but not of the world? You live like the Apostle Peter said. He says, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which war against your soul. You've got to live different. Earth is not your home. We've, we've lived in, in historically in, in North America with this mindset that this is God's land. This is God's country. And if people would just turn away from their sin and they would trust in the Lord, God would heal their land and bless the land and bless the country and everything would be great. And this is our land and we're fighting a war against evil. I would say the paradigm needs to shift. 
if you're going to do life as a Christian with an irresistible influence, your paradigm needs to shift from God's land. We're taking, God, we're taking the North Valley for Jesus Christ, although that's a great aspiration. We need to think of we're exiles. We don't belong here. We're sojourners. We're in a foreign country. This place isn't normal for us. We've got to realize that you won't, we've got to accept the reality, you won't thoroughly fit in. Something will be labeled against you. The increasing hostility and challenges of secularism in North American culture against historical Christianity will intensify. And if you can accept this reality of who God created you to be, you will live with an oh more powerful influence. God created you as a sent one, a messenger, a minister. You're sent into the place that you are. God created you as a sojourner, an exile. You're not supposed to completely fit in. Number three, people are lost without Jesus. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. There's radical, exclusive language there. Jesus is absolutely politically incorrect. Offensive. People are lost without Jesus. Why do you need to say something? Because people will be eternally separated from a life with God, the love of God, unless we say something. And don't say, that's just the pastor's job. No, it's all believers' job. Number four, the Christian life is the best life. Why should we say something? Because I'm telling you guys, marriages are better when Jesus is king. Families are stronger when Jesus is king. Your business is better when Jesus is king. The church is more vibrant when Jesus is king. The Christian life absolutely is the best life. I wouldn't trade my best day before knowing Jesus Christ for my worst day of knowing Jesus Christ. The Christian life is the best life. I'm not alone. I have power from on high. I have eternal hope. Jesus said, the thief comes only to kill, steal, and destroy. I came that they have life and have it abundantly. So how do we evangelize? What is the style of evangelism? How do I do this? How do I say something? Number one, I'm going to share with you the most effective styles of evangelism for all of us at North Valley. These are the styles of evangelism sharing the love of Jesus that I would use the second I step off this stage. Number one is testimonial style. I did this for the first probably two years of my ministry. Came to faith in Jesus and my youth pastor said, Ryan, share your testimony. And so I did. And after like a year and a half and he's like, hey, Ryan, I'm really glad you're sharing your testimony, but you, they probably heard it by now. You've been sharing it a long time. You need to come up with something new. But your testimony is a powerful way that you can evangelize. You can share your story about how God has worked in your life. 
John chapter 9 verses 1 through 34 is an incredible case study on this testimonial style. Maybe you have a powerful testimony. Maybe you have a simple testimony. You came from the church. You were never really fully engaged in the church and Jesus. And then all of a sudden at a certain age, you said, man, it's making sense. You got a testimony. Maybe you were far from God and you never were connected to the church. You hated the church. You hated Jesus. You hated everything about religion. You ran your own way and then you found yourself in deep trouble and you called out on the name of Jesus and he saved you. You got a testimony. Doesn't matter your background. Every one of us have a testimony. John chapter 9 verses 1 through 34 is a biblical example of this style of evangelism. It's the blind man, the guy who was born blind. Let's jump right into the scriptures. Immediately there's a problem in verse 18. The Jews did not believe that he had been born blind and had received his sight until they called the parents. Call mom and dad in on this. The parents of the man who had received sight and they asked him, is this your son who you say was born blind? How does he now see? They want to know, did Jesus really do this? Is he really blind? Is this a counterfeit? Is this corruption? Is this a fakester? Is this a fraud? Verse 20, his parents answered, we know that this is our son and that he was born blind. I mean, how could they not? They have a little kid, kid's born blind. But now he, but how he now sees, we do not know, nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him, he is of age. He will speak for himself. I read that and I thought, yeah, the parents would be like, he's a big boy. He can speak for himself. Why are you coming to us? The gospel writer tells us the commentary. Why? Because the parents are afraid. They don't want to give Jesus credit because it could cost them everything. Verse 22, his parents said these things because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess Jesus to be Christ, he was to be put out of the synagogue. That's out of the fellowship, out of the community, out of the friendship circles, out of the family circles, out of the faith community. Verse 23, therefore his parents said, he is of age, ask him. They were afraid. Verse 24, so for the second time, they called the man who had been blind and said to him, give glory to God. Not to this Jesus is what they're implying. We know that this man, they're referring to Jesus, is a sinner. Why? Because he'd hung out with tax collectors and sinners and gluttons and drunkards and everything else. Verse 25, he answered and says, whether he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know, that I was blind and now I see. Friends, you have a testimony. You may say, I was lost, but now I'm found. I was empty, but now I'm full. I was without any hope, but now I have hope. I was far from God, but now I'm close to God. I was at war with myself and with everybody else. Now I'm at peace. You got a testimony to share. Share your testimony. Say something. The second style of evangelism is the relational style. This is my favorite style. Testimony is important. The relational style is crucially important. Luke chapter 5 verse 27 through 31 is uh, in an interpersonal example style, it's conversational. Matthew, also known as Levi, is a tax collector. He's going to find new life in following Jesus Christ. He invites his friends over to a party where they can meet Jesus and hang out with Jesus. To be a tax collector would be basically someone who has a license to do crime back in those days. 
They were known for extortion. Uh, They would cheat people, rob people, overtax people. Everybody hated tax collectors. And this one tax collector, he's a professional, making good money. He meets Jesus and his life changed. Jesus has been on a circuit of preaching and teaching and doing miracles. And his fame had grown and people had come out from everywhere to see him. And look at what happens in Luke chapter 5, verse 27 through 31. After this, he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And, and leaving everything, he rose and followed him. Wouldn't it be that nice if that's how you did evangelism? Hey, you need to follow Jesus. Come on. And they, okay, we're leaving everything. How did Jesus have that authority? He had that authority because he had an irresistible influence. He wasn't afraid to speak up and say something. He wasn't afraid to do something. Jesus said that if you follow him, we will do even greater works than he did. The full ramification of that statement, I don't even fully understand. But I do know that God's placed within us a challenge and, a, and a, a, an ability to do incredible things. Look what happens. Levi leaves everything. He follows Jesus. And it says in verse 29, And Levi made him a great feast in the house, and there was a large company of tax collectors and others reclining at the table with them. And then the Pharisees and their scribes grumbled against his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Why are you doing this, Jesus? Levi, what's going on? You're a fake. This isn't real. And Jesus answered the religious folks, the Jews, and said, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Did you know that 90% of unchurched people are actually open to having spiritual conversations about Jesus? What do they need? They need safety. Friends, we're not going to reach the world for Christ. We're not going to reach the North Valley if you and I don't have proximity, connection. When Jesus said, you're salt of the earth, let me ask you something. If you leave salt all by itself on the table, it really doesn't taste good. But when you put salt on your meal, it changes everything, the flavor. But it's got to have contact. When Jesus said that we're to be salt of the earth, that means that where we go and what we do and what we say We have contact with people that are far from God and our life looks different, feels different. In the chaos, you can come in the name of Jesus and bring calm. You're a minister. The theological foundation of that idea was um, pushed very hard through the Protestant Reformation when Martin Luther said that there's a kingdom of priests, that every believer don't need another priest to to live the Christian life. You are a priest. He was picking up on the language from the apostle Peter. You, You have an influence. The way you do business, the way you raise your family, the way you interact with your neighbors. And what people need is relationship. Last night I was at a block party Uh, Will Landis, a guy in our church, he and his entire family came to faith in Christ through North Valley. Uh, Will baptized his whole family after I had the privilege to baptize him. He organized a big block party, and I like to call it a Matthew party. There was all sorts of people there, and people far from God, and people close to God. And there were so many spiritual conversations that we were having, and our church sponsored the bounce house in the back and they had live music and food and, and beverages and all sorts of fun stuff going on. 
I want to challenge you to throw a Matthew party, build relationships with the unchurched folks, have a holiday party, watch a game together, do sporting events together. When there's a baptism at the church, invite your friends to it. Do play dates with folks that are far from God. You know, it's important. You've got to build the relationships. Months ago, um, we reached out to the local fire station that was right next door to us. And we just said, hey, can we help in any way? And uh, we built this relationship with the guys at the fire station. I want to show you a picture. It was interesting. And within a few uh, visits of going down there, I noticed their fire truck, number 55. And uh, you notice anything interesting in that picture? I didn't put that there. But they felt like we were a community partner, and they're like, man, we love North Valley. Uh, just the other day, we gathered our, we canceled one of our staff meetings, or we ended it really early, and we said, we want to come over and uh, join the retirement party for Captain Jim. And here's a picture. Captain Jim just retired after serving uh, in the Phoenix Fire Department for uh, several decades, and he's a great man, and we just came alongside him, and of course, I had to bring my beautiful dog, Zona. Captain Jim welcomed her to the station, and uh, that's our staff team. But I want to tell you, friends, it's about building relationships. And here's one thing I do with, in ministering and doing relational evangelism. I always tell people, look, I'm going to be your friend no matter what decision you make. You know I love Jesus. You know I live for Jesus. But no matter where you decide to place your beliefs, I'll be your friend. That takes the pressure off. I'm not trying to convert anybody. You know who converts people? God does. We can't convert anybody. Relationships matter. You're not going to do evangelism effectively if you don't figure out one of these styles. And the church is dependent upon it. God is calling you to live an irresistible influence and just simply say something. I've said it before and I'll say it again. When you do the relational style of evangelism, sometimes you might get criticism because you're hanging out with perhaps a sketchy group of people. And I would say, way to go. Don't go alone. Be with other believers perhaps, but you need to be in an environment where does light shine the brightest in the dark? So if you think that becoming a Christian means that you only hang out with people that are just like you, you are terribly mistaken. Um, the most important people, this will become challenging, the most important people at North Valley are the hundred people that are not yet here. And you say to me, what? Yes, but that's why we invest everything we have into you so you will go out and help us reach that next hundred people. You and I do not exist for ourselves, but we exist to give God glory. And how do we chiefly do that is we help share and show the love of Jesus Christ to other folks. Third way that we can do evangelism is the invitational style. In John chapter 4, verses 1 through 32, has been labeled in your Bibles as the woman at the well. She was a woman who 
has by many commentators and church people over the years been called and labeled a woman of the night. Loose living for sure. Parties, licentious living. She has an encounter with Jesus at the well when she goes to get water because she's hot and it's the heat of the day and she goes when no one else is going to go because she doesn't want to be made fun of. She's the public talk of the town and the well was the gathering spot. Let's look what happens when she meets Jesus. She meets Jesus and her life is changed and then all of a sudden she's excited. So the woman left her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, come and see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? They went out of the town and were coming to him. And many Samaritans from the town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. She said, he told me, all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his word. And they said to the woman, it's no longer because what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. They have an encounter with this woman she goes out and she says, come and see, come and see. It's the invitation. Did you know that church research shows that Christians that are most influential, that have the most influence, people have little to no faith that they influence those of no faith orientation or those that spontaneously invite their family and their friends to church with them. Let me ask you a question. Who should you invite to come and see. Popular to, uh, uh, or contrary to popular thinking, uh, you don't invite people that you don't know to church. You should invite people you know. All around the world, the fastest growing churches, the most dynamic Christian movements are those people that are simply inviting their family and their friends. You invite people you know. Last night, I saw some people I knew Invited them to church a little longer in the evening, and then I invited a second group of people, people that I used to know. I hadn't seen you in a long time. It's great being with you tonight. Hey, this is what the guy said to me. I really miss being involved at the church. My wife's Catholic, and me, I don't know what I am, but Ryan, you've got great speeches. And I said, Well, thanks. He said, I, I, No offense, but he, his, this was his response. I'm falling asleep over there at the Catholic Church. I'm going to tell my wife we're going to North Valley. I said, listen, man, door's always open. We love you guys. Maybe it's someone you used to know. You hadn't seen them in a long time. Or maybe there's somebody you'd like to know. You're out in the community. You're out in your workspace. And you see somebody and you're like, man, I'd love to get to know them more. I'm going to invite them to our baptism that we're having. I'm going to invite them to a Christmas service just to come and see I want to challenge you in moving forward that you are an ambassador of Jesus Christ and you and I, we must say something. You and me, we got to say something. Next week, we're going to talk about doing something. If we're going to share the love of Jesus Christ, you and me have to open our mouths and say something. It doesn't matter if you're a brand new Christian or you've been a Christian for 20 years. Say something. 
Did you know that the evangelists have no moral qualifications to evangelize? They just simply experience what Jesus is doing, and then they go out and they start speaking. To be a pastor, to be an elder, to be a deacon, there's qualifications. But the role of evangelism, do you know Jesus? Has he impacted your life? Has something good happened as being t- spending time with Jesus? Then you can evangelize. You can say something. You can simply open your mouth and say something. If you're young, as a teenager, you can say something. If you're middle-aged or in past retirement age, you can say something. You have a platform. God wants you to say something. We are ambassadors of Jesus Christ. So I want to challenge you to pick a style, try it out within the next two weeks, and say something. In two weeks, I'm launching a new series called Holiday Survival Guide. Maybe that'd be a great time to invite folks. Maybe next week, somebody might have a heart for social justice. The president of I-68 from a a mission organization down in Mexico whom we worked with, many of you have gone on mission trips with, we build houses for the poor and serve the poor down there. He's going to be speaking next week about doing something. But if we're going to be an irresistible influence, we've got to say something. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the opportunity and privilege to preach your word. And for those right now that are far from you and don't even know if they possess salvation, if they were to die today, they don't even know if they would go to heaven. I pray that you would speak to them right now because they just heard this message and are thinking, I'm not going to say anything because I don't even know what I believe. But Father, maybe today you've prompted their heart to trust in you. And I pray that just right there from their chairs and right there in their seats with their heads bowed, that they would simply just pray pray quietly just this prayer. Heavenly Father, I come to you today. And I want to acknowledge my sin before you. And I believe in Jesus Christ to forgive me of my sin. And I confess him today as my Lord and Savior. And in praying that prayer, the Bible says that you've been born again. And for all of us that live in the family of God, he's given us influence and wants us to live it out. So let me pray for you. Lord, I pray for all of us here that we would see ourselves as ambassadors of Jesus Christ, that we would walk in a holy cadence that would seek to be an irresistible influence. And God, would you give us favor and give us the boldness and the courage to say something to the people around us. Give us a love for the lost, a love for the least, and a love for the last. For your glory and your story in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. To become a supporter of North Valley Community Church, give today at northvalleychurch.org.